Have you ever wondered how a song is made? How it starts? What happens during the recording process? How does an idea become that beautiful three-minute thing you hear on the radio? My name is Emmeline, and in Journey of a Song, I take you on a tour of a musician's creative process, from the very first notes to the final, fully produced progression. As a singer-songwriter and an independent recording artist, I am intimately familiar with the magic of music creation, but I also know that each song has its own sacred story. Each week, I'll be talking to a different songwriter as they pull back the curtain on a favorite composition, beginning with the acoustic version of the song and ending with the final recorded product. In between, you'll hear a conversation about the inspiration behind the song, the decisions made in the recording booth, and the many ways in which music reflects and informs our emotions and our lives. This week, my guest is Austin-based singer-songwriter Chris Schultz. Since her career as a college athlete drew to a close, Chris has always been involved in the music industry in some capacity, working the merch table, stage managing, or road managing. Always an avid fan of music, Chris only recently began leaning into her talents as a songwriter by setting her poems to guitar chords. She's here today to talk about how cathartic music has been and to share her contemplative folk tune, Hattertown Road. Welcome back to Journey of a Song. I'm your host, Emmeline, and I'm super stoked for today's episode because we have with us the amazingly talented songwriter, Chris Schultz. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited about this. I listened to a few episodes and was super excited to to hear about everybody else's stories and stuff. So yeah, excited to share my own. Yeah. Thanks. Me too. I think you know this better than anybody because we met playing a songwriter round. Right. But (laughs) songs have so much added dimension when you know where they come from. Yeah. Yeah. And when you know how they were made. Yeah, absolutely. I just feel like it adds a layer of enjoyment. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. It's some of my favorite things ever is to hear where a song came from. So, Oh, well, that I was yeah. super excited. Yeah. And I'm stoked that our listeners are going to get to hear where Hattertown Road came from. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to be talking about the beautiful Hattertown Road, and we're going to let our listeners hear the acoustic version of that right now. What 
That was beautiful. It's such a gift to hear a song in its bare bones and then to hear the fully produced version because you played this when we played together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always start my set off with it because it's it feels like a good uh, a good place to start. So, yeah. Yeah. What about it to you feels like a good starting place? Um, I think because it's about someone, that, a very positive influence in my life. I wrote it about my Aunt Elaine, who lived in Connecticut, and uh, she was just a very maternal and, and very present person in my life. And so I like to kind of bring her along and, and help me get started whenever I play a set. So, yeah. That's really cool. So you bring her energy with you to the beginning. Exactly. I like to. And then I usually end my set with a song that is about her daughter, my cousin Dana, and her kids and some time that we spent together. So I kind of like bookend it with with good good vibes yeah <laughs> that's awesome good vibes and good memories that's yeah. really beautiful yeah we've talked about this a little but you derive a lot of inspiration it sounds like from the familial relationships in your life yeah absolutely absolutely yeah yeah i'm especially close to uh, a lot of my cousins i'm especially close to my cousins who grew up in connecticut and i grew up in kansas and you know, my cousin dana is t uh, 10 years older than me and wow. So we grew up 10 years apart, thousand miles away, but have this really deep connection. And it was her mom that I wrote this song about. And, you know, I, I wrote a really goofy song about my cousin. <laughs> and I wrote a, a fun song that I ended the set with about my cousin. Um, and my twin sister shows up in a lot of stuff and definitely, uh, definitely family shows up everywhere. <laughs> I love so. that you I love that you talk about that and that you're open about it and that you highlight it because I feel like people automatically default to romantic relationships when they hear songs. I don't know right. if you've had that experience. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny because I, I, I've said to people, if you hear a love song that I've written, 99% of the time, it's about a place. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not about a person. And if you hear a breakup song, you know, 99% of the time, it's not about a romantic relationship. It's about, <laughs> it's about some other thing that happened in my life. And, you know, I'll, I'll, so I try to make, I mean, cause I feel like any song, if you, if you're, if you're, if you have specifics in it and there is love in it, you, people will take whatever they want from it. So, you know, I have, I have a, a breakup song that is not a breakup song with a person and it's it's a breakup song with you know something that happened in my childhood <laughs> and i'm not going to tell anybody what song that is i'm not going to tell it, you know <laughs> because it's like i've heard people come up to me and say oh my gosh that song it reminds me of this person that i knew in my life so you know it's it's I don't want to tell people what exactly what to get from whatever i'm putting out there because you know I want people to get what they need to get out of it. So, yeah. And I think it's a really special gift as a songwriter when somebody else sees themselves in your art. Yeah. 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 All, all of the songs that I feel like saved me in my life are things, you know, where you almost feel like your story is being sung from the stage or from the radio or wherever you hear it. You know, I feel like that's really important. I, I think that's probably the most important thing about music mm -hmm. is finding people where they are. Well, and being able to put a name to feelings that people haven't been able to name yet. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like that's one of those gifts that I feel like I get from my favorite song. It will shed light on a truth that I haven't quite been able to articulate. Like I know it instinctively, 
but I haven't been able to put words to it yet. And exactly. then I hear somebody sing it and I'm like, oh, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And it's almost like you, you've just been waiting for someone to help you figure that out. Yeah. It's, I feel like it's all a big puzzle and any kind of art that, that touches you helps you find the pieces and, and figure out things about yourself. And that's, that's why it's there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's all of us. Yes, exactly. And what I hear you saying is that like music has been one of those forces in your life that has guided you not only to a sense of understanding, but more to yourself. Absolutely. 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 Because um, it took me a long time to get here to where I'm writing songs, but I've loved music all my life. But it was one of those things where as soon as I found out that I could do this, I started feeling more completely like myself. And it was like, oh, this is what, this is what it's supposed to feel like, you know, <laughs> being so excited when I'm going to sleep to wake up in the morning and see what happens when I pick up the guitar, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love that you say, as soon as you realized you could do this, you started feeling more completely like yourself. That's so beautiful. So for our listeners who don't know you, or who have maybe heard your music or saw you at Opening Bell, but don't know your story. Can you share a little bit about the road that you took to music? Because it's not a conventional one. Yeah, I mean, I grew up I grew up in a sports town. I did sports. That's what we did. My mom worked at a YMCA, so she had two daughters who had all this energy. And so basically, she threw us in every sport that existed and sports I didn't even know existed. And we did that and we showed promise. And so ended up going to college on a sports scholarship. I threw javelin mm -hmm. in college, but fell in love with music mostly when I was like six years old, sitting by the jukebox in the bar that we went to with our parents <laughs> and um, just falling in love with sad songs because there's something about being a little kid and you hear an adult, a crack in an adult's voice while they're singing something, or you feel the emotion that they're singing especially where I grew up in the Midwest, you don't allow yourself to have, um, you aren't really supposed to show emotion a lot, mm. but then having this adult singing this song and you can tell that they're a little bit sad, but they're okay. And it m gives you permission to, to, to feel something. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, I know hundred percent. Yeah. And I fell in love with songs like that, but then in college, I, there was a record store between where I lived and campus and I got distracted there a lot and fell in love with songwriters. Came to visit Austin and um, ended up moving here and started working for bands and musicians. Went on the road with them, sold merch, drove vans, ended up road managing, doing all that stuff, but I never played or sang myself. And then uh, something uh, a little, it, more than a little traumatic, but I had a traumatic experience that that made me make a decision to step away from that world for a bit. And I started a pet care business and started doing urban clue solving adventure races where I would travel to different cities. You would run around the city, you could go by foot or by public transportation and you solve clues and you do um, do physical challenges. And I'm sorry, my dog is drinking water. <laughs> <laughs> That's sorry the pet care that. part, right? That's the pet care part. Um, and uh, so, and because I'm not the fastest runner, I was doing all this extra work to try to get ahead by knowing, I'm so sorry about this. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> um, this is our uh, lives now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did all this uh, research and tried to learn about the cities and I mean it took up a lot of time and then all of a sudden those ended and I went through a, one of those long breakups that just last forever and you can't figure out how to break up or something finally that ended and suddenly I had all this time <laughs> and so I got this cheap guitar and my friend at the time who I had previously worked for on the road was starting this business where she was a songwriting coach and did consultations and stuff. And I jokingly one day said, well, maybe I'll be a client. And she just looked at me and she goes, can you sing? And I said, 
And then, <laughs> You're like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I might be tone deaf. I really don't know. And um, so she came over one day and uh, someone had taught me four chords 16 years before, but I had never practiced them because I was the only non-musician in the room. And if you're in a room full of 12 people who can play an instrument, you're not going <laughs> to let me let me go from G to uh, almost C. Like, <laughs> you're not going to do that, right? So I hadn't practiced these chords in 16 years or something. And she came over and I tried to put one of my old poems because I had always written poetry and stuff. Tried to put one of my old poems to the three chords that I knew, but then I was afraid to go to the third chord. So, <laughs> so I put this little song to two chords and I played it for her. And, um, and at the end she was like, oh my God, you're a songwriter. <laughs> and so uh, that's how I ended up doing this. <laughs> that's a long story, I know. No, but what a great friend. <laughs> no, there's so much good in that. Are you kidding? <laughs> I I'm so, thank you so much for sharing all of that, yeah. but especially like things that I want to highlight for our listeners who I know are some are some are artists, right? right? Who just are equally who are as nerdy as we are and just love all of this stuff. Right. And some people are aspiring artists. And I, you know, you highlight so many important things that like one of the things that we need so often to get started is permission. Yeah, yeah. Or it's just somebody to be like, hey, have you thought about this? And we're like, exactly. um, no. <laughs> <laughs> but then we, but then we do it, right? Yeah. Or we get, you know, to jump over the hump of imposter syndrome, right, right? When we're sitting in a room full of twelve musicians and we're like, yeah. well, <laughs> I don't know how to play this instrument. I'm not going to pick it up and play the two chords I know, <laughs> right? But yeah, what a great friend to say, you know, I think this might be in you. Let's try it. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then to affirm for you that it exists. Right. Right. Because, yeah. you know, it, it sounds like it felt right to you. Yeah, it was it was really weird. Like that, I think it was the, the next day I woke up and was it was like, that really happened? Did that <laughs> did that happen? And then I, I was like, yeah, that really happened. And I told somebody it felt like I had gotten like this weird software update, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, it <was> like, <laughs> so it was like, now supports singing and songwriting. <laughs> and um <laughs> But uh, I can still remember exactly how it felt, you know, those days where I would get up and I would started getting up two hours early before I would normally get up for work and, and practicing and writing. And I would go to sleep so excited because I'd be like, I can't wait to, to get up in the morning and do this thing. And then all day I would just feel kind of floaty, you know, <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, I made a song because I, I remember so well walking around with all these people around me who were songwriters for so many years of my life and thinking, it's so cool. They have songs in their head. Like they have songs inside them. And then the day that I realized I have, I have them in there too. <laughs> You're like, I am one of Whoa. those people. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it, and there's no less magic in feeling like that you know like it felt like this magical thing when i'd see my friends walking around and then they'd sit down and start playing a song they wrote for me and i was like it's so beautiful and magical and 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 it and it feels just as mysterious <laughs> when i've heard a song and i'm like oh hey i did that <laughs> Yes, I love that you highlight that the magic is still there for you. Yeah. yeah. Even though it's coming out of you. Right, right. Yeah. And it, and it, it's weird. And I'm not I'm not like saying that in like a cocky kind of weird way. No. It's like I feel like a little kid who gets kind of this gift every day of of like the possibility. You know, it's it's the possibility that that is really exciting for me. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And I know I don't think it's arrogant at all to think that there's magic in that. I think there's actually a degree of humility in it. You know, one of the things we talk about on the show a lot, or one of the things that comes up is this idea that we're just a conduit. Right, right. Yeah. Like there's some message from somewhere in the universe that needs a song and has found you that day. Yeah, yeah. And you said yes to it. And right. you're not really sure where it comes from. Yeah. Yeah. or how it needs to be articulated. 
but somehow it works itself out. And like, you couldn't necessarily retrace those steps accurately. Right, right, exactly. That's something I always find really interesting about like um, groups of people who do song prompts and stuff and seeing seeing the way that things go through different people. The same the same phrase goes through this person and comes out like that and it goes through this person and comes out like that. You know, it's I think that that's proof of what you just said. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think it's a good message to anybody who's listening right now who's got a guitar that they're staring at in their living room right. or know somebody who has a guitar and they're like, maybe I'll buy a guitar. Like, <laughs> do it. Yeah. Because that thing, I think, exists in all of us. Right. It just takes us time. Like some of us are audacious, right? And from a very small age, we're like, oh, I have magic. <laughs> I can make magic. Right. <laughs> or the magic is so insistent that we have no choice but to write. Right, right. Yeah. And some of us get a little bit older and see all of the magic in the world and are excited about it, but don't really trust that they have it inside themselves. Yeah, exactly. And then to get permission to be like, no, it's there. You just have right. to like let it out. Yeah. What a freeing, beautiful thing. Yeah. There's not a day that, that goes by that I'm just not completely grateful for that, you know, for being able to do this. So, yeah. Yeah. To take a space where there was nothing and make something. Yeah. Yeah. Because now you get to write the songs that put words to somebody else's unnameable feelings. Yeah. That's, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. That's a responsibility too <laughs> it is but i feel like i feel like that's the whole reason right yeah. yeah for those of us that grew up with songs that saved us yeah to pay that forward to yeah. somehow to somehow conjure or somehow say yes to a song that saves somebody else is really it seems like the ultimate coming full circle yeah yeah that is that is really cool that is really yeah it's a cool way to think about it uh oh i like that <laughs> We're all just trying to help each other get through this thing called life. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so Hattertown Road sounds like it was one of those pieces for you, though, that helped you work out a feeling that ultimately didn't, that at the beginning at least, didn't have a name. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was thinking back on a time when I was 19 years old. I had just gone through my first year of college. Um, I was questioning everything, like n just nothing made sense to me. I was, you know, I was a student athlete and I wasn't sure I wanted to do that. <laughs> you know, I had to choose my major and I didn't really care about anything yet, you know, so it was really difficult to figure out what I wanted to do. You know, there was some, there was some depression happening. Um, I had lost a, a, a very close childhood friend to, to violence. And so it was just, all of these things, um, you know, at a time when I'm 19 years old, you know, the end of your teenage years when I don't know who needs to hear this, but if you're 19 years old, it will get better. <laughs> it definitely will get better. Um, it was, um, it was all of that stuff. And then I had saved up my money to go visit my Andy Lane in Connecticut. And I, I know that she didn't know everything that had gone on. I, I know that she didn't know that, but she was just one of those people who was just 100% present at all mm -hmm. times with you. And she, she was the aunt to 21 cousins and, and she was the only one who lived out of state. And so she would come to Kansas and she would be, there'd be 21 of her nieces and nephews just wanting her attention or, you know, she yeah. somehow made every single one of us feel seen and heard and mm -hmm. understood and like we were the only people in the room. So she was that person. And when I got to Connecticut, all we did that week was just kind of hang out on the porch and and take walks around her yard. She always was always growing flowers and plants and going on errands, driving in her car to go to the grocery store or to her bowling night or, you know, like just random errands. And, um, and so I was thinking back on that and how it was just, you know, exactly what I needed was just to be with someone who completely understood me, who didn't necessarily need me to explain anything didn't 
you know, didn't judge me for anything and was just there for me, you know, um, and, and that's, you know, that's the, I think that's the biggest gift that you can give to someone is just being 100% present when you're with yeah, them. Yeah, for whatever they bring, right? Yeah, yeah. Because it sounds like that it sounds like you you experience two kinds of freedoms, and one was the freedom from expectations. Yeah, absolutely. Right? You didn't absolutely. have to show up as anyone or anything. You exactly. didn't have a role to play. That you were like, "Am I failing at this role? Is this good? Yeah. Is this what I should be doing?" And exactly. second, she gave you like the freedom of dis- like the freedom from decisions, right? Yeah, yeah. You just got to follow her around. You didn't have yeah. to do anything. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And she just, you know, she was just there. <laughs> so I could be there, you know? It's like, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. And that's a, that's a huge, that's a huge lesson that I, I've really tried to, I'm, I'm not a parent. I'm not, you know, I, I do have, a, I have a grown nephew and I have twin godsons who live in California right now. And so every time I'm with them, that's where that's, I'm always like thinking, okay, I got to I got to Andy lane this, you know, <laughs> like I gotta be completely here and be here with them. And, you know, so, yeah. So, yeah. 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 I love that a hundred percent presence. Yeah. Yeah. As the cure. I was listening to a podcast recently and they were talking about overwhelm and how frequently we talk about being overwhelmed right? and how frequently people, you know, claim to be overwhelmed. And you know, what you describe at 19 is that sensation of emotional overwhelm. It's like, I have no more space for any of the things. Yeah, exactly. Like exactly. I am full of feelings. I don't understand. <laughs> I, need to, like, I don't have any more space for more feelings. I don't know where to put them. Exactly. But they talk about, they talked about the cure for overwhelm being nothing, being able to right. step away, yeah. take a breath. Yeah. And it sounds like that's what you got. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So how long was the trip? It was only, it was only about a week, I think. Yeah. So it was just a week, but it was exactly what I needed. So, yeah. So, so were you able to, so you, did you go straight back to college after that? Um, I, I'm trying to remember exactly. Uh, I went, I did go back. I mean, so it was in the, it was in the summer when I went to visit and then, um, yeah, I did go back to, to college in the fall, but yeah, yeah, but yeah. Feeling a little bit freer and more sure of yourself. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I, I did have a really good year after that too. <laughs> I do remember that. That was my good year. <laughs> that was my good one good year in college. Oh no! <laughs> oh man, college can be rough. <laughs> it's but I, you know it goes back to what we talked about at the beginning, right? Like being human can be rough. It's. Yeah, yeah. It's so hard to be a human with feelings. It is. In a world with other people who also have feelings. Exactly. There's a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of careful navigation happening. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, one of the beautiful gifts that it sounds like your Aunt Elaine gave you is the ability to not have to navigate for a while. Yeah. Like permission to just be yourself and not worry if that was bad or if it was going to be good enough exactly exactly and yeah i think music gives us that permission to you're gonna hear mine now (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) ideally pets also give us permission to just be ourselves but we don't give them permission to be themselves (laughs) so we're like don't don't drink I wonder if they're they're being like, uh, okay, I know there's a dog over there and you're not letting us say hello. I don't understand this. <laughs> I know. Oh, so you, and, so you have two. I do. I have two, two dogs. Yeah. Both rescues, little, little chihuahua mix, 
goofballs. Yeah. <laughs> Is that some of the benefit though? Do they creep in on songwriting sessions ever? Do they sit with you in the morning while you write? Oh yeah, yeah. They're always they're always right here when it when it happens. And um in almost every voice memo that I have of you know where I'm recording. It's funny, Radley has this uncanny ability to shake his collar at the perfect time. Like mm -hmm. it sounds like a <laughs> It sounds like almost like a tambourine, but it's, it's perfectly <laughs> timed. <laughs> so, did, so did Radley make the track? What? No. Is no, he on the fully he's, produced he's, version? He's not on the fully produced version. Not playing it, percussion. No, I, I feel like I feel like he has talent though, and I, I feel like not allowing him to is just sort of squelching his his. <laughs> <laughs> his potential so uh maybe i can talk charlie into letting that happen <laughs> so yeah <laughs> so you you say charlie yeah. um in the, you have this beautiful descending line in your acoustic guitar in this song it feels very much like a drive when right. it's just you playing it you know yeah yeah it feels very much like a, like an introspective windows up, but going through the countryside kind of drive. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very cool. Cause that's, that's, that's sort the of vibe. the idea. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I learned, I, because my songwriting is so new when I started, like when I started writing this, I was, I think. When I, when I wrote the song, I think I was two years into my songwriting. Mm -hmm. And so I had, you can tell if you listen back, <laughs> you can tell if you listen back um, to my songs, you can tell what I learned that week because it was in the song. <laughs> <laughs> like the chords and the walk downs and that sort of thing. <laughs> That's so, amazing. So that, that, that kind of, that, you know, that chord change thing happening there was um was what I learned that week and so when I wrote like if you hear the really early demos like yeah my voice memos it's so slow because I hadn't figured out how to <laughs> how to do that yet <laughs> you're like wait hold on I got this I can do it <laughs> I can do it wait no I can really do it no wait I think I can do it a little faster <laughs> It's awesome. Yeah. Whoever finds all of the songwriter voice memos <laughs> is digging through the iPhone archives and like the year, you know, 2175. Right, right. It's going to be like, oh, these people. <laughs> exactly. Like a treasure trove of what it means to be human. Messy exactly. lyrics, made up words. Yeah. Trippy chords. <laughs> No, but there's 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 historical precedent for that being a very good thing. You can track the development of the piano through Beethoven's compositions because whenever they added more keys at the bottom, he was like, "Well, I want to play that one." Oh wow, that's mm -hmm. cool. I had no idea. That's so cool. Yeah. Oh man. So you're in good company. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah, it's that sense of musical curiosity, right? You're like, well, now yeah. that I can do this thing, now I want to put it in a song. Yeah, yeah. And then you have to then you have to weigh it against the whole, okay, I can't put it in every song. <laughs> or maybe you do for a while. Maybe you have maybe. seven songs with a walk down. I mean, I don't know. Exactly. Exactly. But it but the, you know, you start with I was walking, right? And yeah. then you have the line, I keep searching, I keep finding. So there is this sense of kind of feeling your way through terrain. Right. Yeah. And, you know, in the song, you're feeling your way through this emotional terrain. But I feel like walk downs are sort of feeling your way through tonal terrain. Right. You know, yeah. passing tones take us from one chord to the next. Yeah, that makes. Yeah, that's that's a good way of looking. Yeah. Looking like at, yeah. Wandering, searching kind of way. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So it fits. Yeah. So that was something you wrote into it from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. That was that was there from the beginning. It was just very very slow. <laughs> but then uh, Charlie Richards is is the guy that produced this song and my whole album, and uh, and he's a guitar player, 
and uh, and uh, he helped me kind of clean it up because you know I was doing that thing where it's like I learned this this week and this is going very slowly and then I need a couple extra bars to get to the next thing. Then <laughs> <laughs> he was like, I think you can do without those couple, you know, I'll just clean it up a little. <laughs> so he did some song doctoring. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Let's um, make the interlude shorter. Let's yeah. <laughs> but and people are going to hear this at the end. You have this amazing electric guitar line. Yeah, that in is, the recorded that, version. Yeah, that is Charlie. That is Charlie Richards. And he um, there's actually seven different guitar parts on this on this song. What? Um, yeah, there's a baritone electric guitar. There is a 12 string electric guitar. Mm -hmm. There's like the arpe arpeggio thing going on. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, lots of delay things. But there's a there's a guitar that sounds like an organ. And <laughs> through Tell me pedal, more. it's like he used some pedal. I I don't entirely understand that part particular magic. I enjoy watching it happen. And um, but yeah, he, he plays guitar sometimes through a pedal that and it can sound like an organ. And so that's there are there is an organ on this on this song as well. I was like, I just assumed it was a Rhodes. Yeah, there, so there's, there, there is, there is a, I think a B3 organ, mm -hmm. but that um, Ron uh, Diogenio, who owns the studio where we recorded, came in and did that because Charlie felt like his, his um, organ sounding guitar didn't sound organy enough. So he brought him in, <laughs> but um, so so we had so they're both on there. So there is an organ and there's a guitar that sounds like an organ. That's so, so cool. Yeah, yeah. So was that a collaborative effort? Did you guys spend time talking about how to build guitar lines, or how did that come about? So um, so when we recorded this song and all the songs on on my album, uh, we went in in January of 2020. We went in and tracked everything with the basic, you know, drums, bass, acoustic guitar, scratch vocals, and Charlie was playing a 12 string electric. Mm. And so we did all the basic stuff like that. And then I went in, I think, the next week and recorded my vocals for, for everything. And then we were set to do background vocals and all the other extra guitar stuff and all that. And then uh, it was March of 2020. <laughs> and so <laughs> um, that wasn't happening the way that we thought it would. And yeah. so Charlie would go and he would he would um, come up with a little, little parts. And, mm -hmm. and it was very important to him to like orchestrate everything. So his guitar parts, so it didn't just sound like a bunch of guitars. And this is what I really love about his playing is he, this is a guitar player who quotes lyrics from songs, which almost never happens. Yeah. And is the kind of guy who will say, I think this, I think this song has too much guitar in it. <laughs> you know, you don't hear guitar players like that. So he's like, he's a very unique guitar player. And he's a very, he has a very unique way of hearing music and so it was really important to him to have these parts, but to have them very like an orchestra. So yeah, like tastefully yeah, put together. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And so um he would go and he'd do he'd record a little part and kind of put it into the mix and send it to me and and be like, you know, this is what I came up with today. And it was something beautiful. And he kept saying, I kept waiting for you to say no to something. And I was like, there was nothing to say no to because it all sounded amazing. <laughs> so um, yeah, so so that's kind of how we did everything until everybody got vaccinated and we mm -hmm. could get back to it together. So that's really cool. So you did it kind of postal service style over the course of the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'd talk every day and and you know his his quote during that time was we'll get there i promise we'll get there <laughs> i feel like that is like a slogan for the whole period of exactly <laughs> exactly exactly and and um 
uh yeah and it was it was it was a definitely a weird way to do my very first record but <laughs> but uh yeah but, it but you of, got there yeah we got there and i think it kind of almost allowed more space for more thought mm -hmm. for everything that happened because we weren't you know in the studio and we have this amount of time and we have to you know figure this out i mean he was he was telling me he he'd just be in his you know his home office playing these things and then you know until he just got too tired to <laughs> to play anymore you know what i mean so it was like it kind of allowed for more space to to kind of get creative i think yeah, and I, I love that you talk about that because I think, you know, sometimes things are produced on a timeline. Right. And I think everybody, like all of us musicians, prefer for things to be produced on a timeline because yeah. we're like, no, I want to get the music out. Yeah. Because, you know, when you write, you want to you want to release what you write so that you can write more things. Right. And then release more things. <laughs> okay. Exactly. It's a suspicious cycle. <laughs> but... But there's something special about taking your time because it does allow the track to marinate a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it wasn't obviously anything we would have chosen, you know, and, and it and, Facts. and it did definitely feel at times like, I don't think this is ever, you know, just like, I don't think this is ever going to end. I don't think this is going to ever, we're never going to finish this thing that we started that we're all so excited about. But the comfort the only comfort in that was that everybody was feeling like that about everything <laughs> you know there were people you know having a harder time about uh, with it than i did you know there were people who missed more important things than you know what i mean do you know what i mean everybody was missing something everybody yeah. was waiting for something so it wasn't you know you weren't alone in the waiting yeah exactly exactly so. yeah i love that you highlight that because you and i you know jokingly talked a bit offline about about all of the things the pandemic held for musicians like right. one being that we would finish a show and like nothing would happen <laughs> and then like five minutes later a bunch of emojis <laughs> you're like oh excellent they liked it great um i was like startled to tears the first time i played a show and heard an audience clap again i was like i had forgotten what this felt like like it yeah. just like wells up in your chest and you're like oh we're in this space physically together again yeah, yeah. oh my god i didn't think this was ever gonna happen but i think you know i think you've written a really poignant piece in that way because everybody knows that feeling of searching for something that they can't have yet right and sometimes that they don't even know what name to give it yet. Right, right. And that's, you know, that's sort of what I took from Hattertown Road and what I hear in it is that sense of searching. And I think, I mean, you know, people are going to be writing articles about this for years to come about all of the psychological ramifications of the pandemic and how they like sleep within us. Right. You know, like moments where like you, like you mentioned that your sister was like, I think I forgot how to laugh. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I feel like those are going to, you know, the next time you produce a record, you're going to be like, is it going to take forever? Exactly. Should well, I plan is... for years? You know? Yeah. Exactly. And that's, and that's, that's so funny. Cause I, we're, we're talking about recording another another record here pretty soon because because this one took so long all my quote-unquote new songs that <laughs> are actually now three years old you know what I mean like <laughs> I mean I'm always writing and stuff but but everything just feels like you know and and I'm sure I don't know about you but I always have that thing where I'm like I'm sick of these songs already can we <laughs> 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 you know what I mean like <laughs> I'm going to be yes. really sick of them by the time I get to record. <laughs> and then I get it, then I get over it. But, you know, it's, it's just one of those, you know, it's, well, go ahead. Oh, no, it's just you're always excited about the new song, you know? <laughs> well, and I feel like, excuse me, the only thing that changes that feeling for me of, oh, my God, I just want to play new things is the connection with the crowd. Yeah. 
And, you know, what you're talking about in this song is connection. Yeah. Like, I took it as a yearning for connection. Right. Like, everything was gone. I couldn't take it with me anyway. Yeah. And just the feeling of emptiness that comes with that line. And, you know, that idea, what I believe, what I need, I found them driving with you on Hottertown Road. Like, what we really want is connection. And I think that moment of connection with the audience is the only thing that makes songs new for me. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Playing it to a new crowd or playing it to people who love it for some reason. Yeah. And I I feel like a theme that comes up constantly on the show is that songwriters are terrible judges of our own catalogs. Right. You know, (laughs) we're like, I love this song. And everybody else is like, oh, okay. We're like, this one's terrible. And they're like, no, you have to play it all the time. We're like, really? (laughs) Why? Exactly. (laughs) And I, I think that part of the reason that that's true is because we can't divorce the songs from their emotional impetus. Yeah. Yeah. We can't listen to the song we wrote without thinking about why we wrote it or the space we were in when we wrote it. Right. And we think of that deeply emotional space sometimes it's an ugly place like I don't want to go back there it was really isolating I felt a lot of shame but what we do when we release songs like that songs like this about searching about kind of unabashedly being vulnerable we're giving the audience permission to do the same thing so we're finding them in their ugly isolation and saying no it's okay for you to be here oh yeah that's yeah that's a great way to think about it yeah yeah Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, love, <laughs> I love it. I noticed this when we played it at opening bell together. It was like, she makes these cool observations about, about music and the, and the way it, you know, it connects people in the way that we understand it. And, you know, I, I, I really appreciate that, that you, you do that. Cause I, I can't always come up with those words to, to say, <laughs> to say what I'm feeling in a moment like that. So that's, that's really cool. Yeah. Well, thank you. You're very kind. No, I, yeah. Thanks. I, I believe really firmly in the connective power of music. Yeah. I mean, I, like I started this podcast in 2020, right. Right. Because I was like, I miss songwriter rounds. Yeah. I miss hanging out with songwriter friends after an open mic where we're all, you know, like nobody wants to go home yet, except for the bartenders who are like, get out. <laughs> Open mic is over, leave. Right. And then, you know, we find ourselves like on the sidewalk outside of whatever venue, just sharing song ideas or talking about life. And I think yeah. those are the, like, that's the gold in a song like this is starting a conversation about life. Right. Yeah. 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 That's a... Yeah. I like that. <laughs> Thanks. And it sounds like that's what it sounds like that's what you and Charlie experienced too, was that it kept you guys connected in a time when everybody was disconnected. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like that. I feel like, you know, we we became really close friends at a time when, you know, we didn't see each other in person. We would zoom and talk about the the record or we'd FaceTime or call on the phone or whatever. And um, uh, I feel like, you know, we got to know each other. I mean, we had known each other for a long time already, but um, we got to know each other even better. So then when we went back, when we were free to go back in the studio, we had kind of almost this, this better way of communicating with each other about the way that we approach the music yeah you know so yeah that was kind of cool and i can't you know there were there were definitely i think everybody experienced you know friendships that were kind of went astray during the pandemic but those ones um you know if you're lucky enough to to have people that you grew closer to without being physically close to them (laughs) That's that was kind of a a weird blessing, yeah. Yeah, and I I think it reinforced the idea that you can be emotionally close and physically distant at the same time. 
Right. Yeah. Like that connection absolutely. doesn't always have to look like two people in a room together. Exactly. Exactly. And then, you know, and it makes it that much more exciting. You know, like the first day we were able to go in the studio, we're like, oh my God, <laughs> we are in the same space. This is so exciting. <laughs> but <laughs> a funny thing happened actually when we went back in the studio. I can't remember what it was, but this is kind of not connected to the music or the song, but in the same vein where like we had been watching everything through screens, right, for all this time. Mm-hmm. And we were in the studio and Charlie pulled up this uh, <laughs> this video of pollen, uh, someone shaking a tree and pollen going like this. And I didn't realize I was doing it because I'm, but because I spent, you know, two years watching screens or whatever. <laughs> I start physically backing out of the <laughs> out of the room <laughs> because it, a screen is so real. <laughs> You're like <laughs> I'm physically backing out to avoid my allergies from going berserk from the from the YouTube video. <laughs> oh man. I'm telling you, people are going to write books for years about how damaged we all are because we went through a pandemic. Either that or songwriters. We're just going to write songs about it. Yeah, exactly. You're going to have to go back to Hattertown Road. (laughs) I feel like I just need to drive. Exactly. Yeah, I feel like. I love your bridge. I before we so before we play the produced version of this, I just have to mm-hmm. tell all of our listeners, like one of the most beautiful things about Chris's music, and Chris, I'll also tell you this. One of the most beautiful things about your music is that I feel like each one of them is secretly a love letter to music. Like each song you write is secretly a love letter to music. That was, wow, yeah, that's a good observation. Yeah. Because you talk about all of your favorite songs living a few miles long, like yeah. you know. <laughs> Like there's always a line in there about, and you talk about how they keep you safe. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just think that's so beautiful that you find such safety in music and that you seek to recreate it and share it. I think that's really special. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. So thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much. Anytime. Really fun. This has been really fun. It's talking about music, right? It's talking about music and you make it easy to talk about music too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, my friend. Thank you. So if people want to hear you talk about music more though, you're going to be doing that right here in Dallas. So Chris is from Austin. Chris is coming to us from far away right now, but you're going to be in Dallas this Friday as people are listening, February 17th at opening bell. Yes. My favorite place in Dallas. Tell us about the show. Yeah, tell us about the show. Oh, sorry, I, I couldn't quite hear you. Um, yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, I'm gonna be playing. At, it's gonna be a duo show. It's gonna be Charlie Richards who produced this song. Is gonna be here with his uh, or be with. I guess we're gonna be there. He's not gonna be here. That would be that would be, whatever. Um, but he, he's gonna have his electric guitar and all his crazy pedals. And he's going to make some really cool sounds while I play acoustic guitar and sing my songs. So we'll we'll play songs from the album that Hattertown Road is on, but we're also going to play some new songs that we're hoping to record soon. So That's awesome. Uh, and for everybody listening, the album is called Standard Issue Heart. Yes. Uh, you have time to stream it on all of your streaming platforms <laughs> before Chris comes to Dallas on, when, or on Friday, because today is Wednesday. <laughs> So people will listen um, and you'll get to hear the fully produced version of Hattertown Road in a second. And then on Friday, you can hear it live. And maybe, maybe with a guitar that sounds like an organ. I'm super curious about this now. (laughs) Super cool. Yeah. I, I, yeah. That's awesome. So friend, if people are thinking, oh my gosh, Chris sounds so amazing. I can't wait to hear more of Chris's music. Where's the best place for them to find you? Um, you can find me on my website, which is chrisschultzmusic.com, which is Chris with a K, <laughs> and then Schultz with all the consonants, S-C-H-U-L-T-Z.com. 
uh, music.com. Sorry. Yeah. That's awesome. So for everybody listening in the radio, it's K-R-I-S-S-C-H-U-L-T-Z music.com. Yes. And they can find every single track on Standard Issue Heart. Yep. Oh, you there. have CDs. I do have actual CDs. Yeah. A woman actual after my CDs. own heart. I love and a my, CD. And my twin sister actually did the artwork on my CDs. So yeah, it's very mathematical. It's a golden ratio. <laughs> is your sister a mathematician? She is not, but she did she did petition our high school math teacher to give her to give her extra credit now for <laughs> for that for the for the <laughs> for her artwork and that she approved it the, the teacher That's approved it story. <laughs> oh man i thought i was an achiever that's amazing <laughs> retroactive extra credit retroactive, exactly so this is already an award-winning disc <laughs> exactly <laughs> retroactively one math extra credit you got a few extra credit math points yes that's amazing. I love it. So people can find you at chrisschultzmusic.com. People who are listening on the radio one more time, that's K-R-I-S-S-C-H-U-L-T-Z music.com. And if you're listening on a podcast, your job is super easy. You just scroll up and click. It'll be linked in the show notes. Chris, thank you so much for coming on. And thank you so much for sharing your music. I'm so glad that you decided to start writing songs. And I'm so glad that you share them with all of us. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for doing this and, and all you do for helping other artists. Thanks, friend. It's truly my pleasure. No, it's my pleasure. It's, it's a selfish endeavor. It just means I get to talk to all of you about the coolest thing in the world, right? (laughs) So we're going to let our listeners hear the fully produced version of Hattertown Road with your beautiful vocals, the acoustic guitar walk down that we've been talking about, and all of Charlie's awesome guitar parts. Would you like to introduce your song? Uh, yeah, um, this is Hattertown Road, and uh, we also, I should also mention the rest of the band on there, so it's Brian Mendez on drums, and Pally on bass, and Charlie Richards on all the guitars, uh, Casey Crowley sings uh, harmonies, and um, Ron D'Argenio is on organ.
Thanks so much for joining me for this week's episode of Journey of a Song, featuring Chris Schultz and her thoughtful jam, Hattertown Road. To learn more about Chris or to follow her musical journey, visit her official website, chrisschultzmusic.com. That's K-R-I-S-S-C-H-U-L-T-Z music.com. For behind-the-scenes glimpses and more about Journey of a Song, follow me on Instagram at at Music. That's at E-M-M-E-L-I-N-E music. Don't forget to check out my other podcast, Journey of an Artist, wherever you listen to podcasts. Discover new music and hear fascinating stories with me, Emmeline, on your favorite podcast app. If you're enjoying the show, please don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe. This is only the beginning, and I don't want you to miss a single minute of these inspiring conversations. If a picture is worth a thousand words, a song is worth a thousand stories.